welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Dr. Nathan Charlton, Emergency Medicine Physician at the University of Virginia, about being prepared for workplace medical emergencies. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Dr. Nathan Charlton, an Emergency Medical Physician at the University of Virginia. Uh, welcome, Dr. Charlton. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. And thanks for being here. And before we kind of, we want to talk today about uh, preparing for medical emergencies on the job, but uh, wanted to have you tell us a little bit about what you do and uh, and and your involvement with the American Red Cross. Uh, no, that sounds great. I um, am primarily trained as an emergency medicine physician. Um, you know, I went to medical school and I did a residency in emergency medicine, and following that, I did a fellowship in medical toxicology, and that's you know the care of the poison patient. And so I work. You know, at the University of Virginia, taking care of patients who have been poisoned through all sorts of different means. And I also work with the poison center, the Blue Ridge Poison Center specifully, um, handling phone calls and uh, you know, from the community and those folks that have uh, you know, gotten into too many medicines or, um, you know, unfortunately, overdosed, things like that. Um, my involvement in the Red Cross, um, I've been working with you know, first aid uh, guidelines and recommendations for many years. And um, primarily you know, started with uh, you know, the toxicology input, um, so things like jellyfish stings and, and snake bites and things like that, uh, and then you know, transitioned over to uh, the field of emergency medicine too, so you know, heart attacks and, and strokes and bleeding um, and you know, general first aid care. So let, let's start. Uh, I guess with sort of the broad view, and then we can get specific about uh, specific emergencies. But how should businesses ensure that they're prepared for medical emergencies on the job? I think encouraging training is absolutely essential. Um, you know, training not only uh, gives you the skills to respond, uh, but I think gives you the confidence to respond too. I think often, you know, we think that. Um, you know, we haven't been trained appropriately. We don't have the ability to help another person uh, and don't have the, the confidence um, to, to take action. And, you know, really taking the class will help give you that confidence, knowing that you, you have the skills, you have the ability to help another person. And that's really, I mean, so essential in life that, that you can do that to help other people. Um, we don't see that enough. Um, you know, businesses, you know, again, can encourage taking classes, but then also, you know, have the tools uh, that the providers would need uh, in order to carry out that activity from having an AED, which is um, you know, an emergency defibrillator for helping somebody who would have a cardiac arrest uh, to having bleeding control kits and really just in general first aid kits, things like Band-Aids and, and ACE wraps for, for sprains and strains and, and you know, small cuts. And, you know, you mentioned training. How often do you recommend that you know you kind of go over training with your your workers because obviously you know like I, you know in places that I've worked at in the past you know we'll kind of have like a session about uh, you know first aid training or something like that and then you kind of just forget about it and it's nobody really talks about it again um, you know is it kind of an annual thing should it be more often what, what would you recommend uh, that's a really great question what we know is that um, you know really the, the more often you're trained the better you are. Um, at the skill um, and, and again at the um, uh, having the confidence and so in uh, you know medical training in general um, sort of looking at um, competencies 
and uh, have you obtained that competency and then sort of um, you know, retraining that competency. And once you've established that you know that competency spacing out over time. And so that may be where we're going. Um, you know, that is a more difficult way to do it. And so you know, generally speaking, now people are offered uh, or, or renewed first aid courses every couple of years or so. Um, you know, that uh, built in a convenience sake, that builds in sort of average time to you know, help retraining. Um, but really more often is better. Uh, there are apps out there. The Red Cross has an app that you can review, um, you know, daily if you want to, just with mm -hmm. general skills. Uh, you could get on there in your free time and, and uh, go through the skills for treating anaphylaxis, go through the skills for, for treating, you know, a, a cardiac arrest, uh, for treating a, a stroke, for treating choking. And so you can keep your skills uh, more up to date on your own um, if you choose to do so. And that's pretty convenient. I mean, you know, considering like you sort of, used to be where you'd have to have somebody come out and kind of conduct the course at least now you, you know you've got those refreshers i guess you, you know you would get a book in the past right of sort of uh detailing everything you need to do but um it sounds like it, you know using the app would be a lot a lot more convenient for folks to uh, to get a quick refresher on that kind of stuff oh i think absolutely right i mean it was uh you know sort of a challenge to to you know, find the book and, and carry the book around, but yeah, everything's so convenient on your phone these days that yeah, you can um, look up the app, uh, you, know, you know, review um, some, you know, just a, a quick skill every now and then to, to keep yourself fresh. And I guess you know, if, if you're you know uh, an employer, it might not be a bad idea to to maybe rem, you know have some reminders for folks to say, hey, you know, it's been you know six months since our last training, maybe a take a quick look at the app and, you know, make sure you're prepared for, you know, CPR or other emergencies. Absolutely. And, um, you know, training, I understand that to businesses training costs time, um, but it is a worthwhile endeavor, right? I mean, it's, it's building resiliency in your business, um, providing skills to your business, providing confidence to your business that, that you know, we would know how to take care of a, a life-threatening emergency. So let's talk about some specific uh, medical emergencies and how to prepare um, cardiac. So it can be stroke, heart attack, cardiac arrest. What are sort of uh, some ways that, that you can prepare uh, to, to deal with uh, that kind of emergency? Um, so again, having you know, both the skills and the um, tools that are needed, um, we all have are familiar probably with CPR and that's you know using our hands to compress somebody's chest and that's you know something that, that pretty much everyone can do. Um, another important thing a device is, is called an AED, an automated external defibrillator. Um, and really what you know, helps save people in cardiac arrest is you know, pushing on the chest, doing that CPR um, appropriately um, you know as quick as possible after cardiac arrest but also getting that AED, that, that defibrillator, you know, attaching it, following the instructions. And if it does uh, recommend, you know, using, using the defibrillator, uh, pressing the button and then and doing so, uh, that's going to save lives. You know, again, activating emergency response system is, is paramount also, um, but those, those things can save lives. So getting an AED, getting the, the training at the business um, are, are really setting you up for success um, if you would have a cardiac arrest at your business. Did you do you feel like the Demar Hamlin uh, incident at the Buffalo Bills really brought more attention to the need uh, for proper CPR training? Because you know 
literally like, you know, millions of viewers across the country saw, maybe they didn't actually see it, but they saw that, you know, this saved this man's life on the field because, you know, these folks were trained and, and went into action immediately and, and, you know, were able to bring him back. Absolutely. I mean, I think that really hit home that, you know, this is, this happened um, and that this is something that, you know, anybody can intervene upon, you know, provide these chest compressions, learn how to use a, a AED and look, the, I mean, the outcome was amazing. And if, if you understand these concepts, you act rapidly um, that, that we all can do. I mean, you can save a life, you can get somebody back to, you know, to normal. I mean, what an amazing story. Um, and again, really hits home that, that this is something that we all can learn to do. And the guys in training camp, I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, so amazing, right? Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's talk about severe bleeding. What uh, what kinds of things should uh, should people know to kind of uh, deal with a severe bleeding incident? And again, something that that everybody can do. What we know is pressure stops bleeding, right? I mean, we've all been cut. We've all applied pressure to um, our cut, um, but bleeding varies in intensity. And we know that there are some forms of bleeding. Um, if you cut an artery, for example, that can be, be massive and can be life-threatening. Um, pressure stops that bleeding, uh, but it depends on how you apply that pressure or there are different ways, I guess, let's say to apply that pressure. A tourniquet is a great example of that. A tourniquet applies pressure proximally to that bleeding vessel um, and stops the bleeding from that vessel. Um, so having a bleeding control kit um, that has a tourniquet in it for life-threatening extremity bleeding, um, that has some gloves in it, that has um, some uh, gauze in it to help you apply that pressure. Um, it can be you know, very beneficial for a, a business to have too. Uh, and another common one is choking. Yeah, and this you know something that you don't even need really external devices for. Um, choking, you know, back blows, abdominal thrusts, you know, again, things that we all learn, can learn to do to help somebody in, in a life-threatening situation. So, uh, you know, learning all these things, again, easy to learn, something we all can do. I keep saying that over and over again, but, um, you know, they're, they're, they're skills that we can, we can learn and we can help save lives. And I feel like people have a general knowledge of the Heimlich maneuver, but is there a sort of a, a right and a wrong way to do it? Um, so in general, you know, sure, getting behind the person, you know, providing a abdominal upward thrust is um, how you do it. Um, this has to be you know, forceful, but but not harmful. Um, you know, in, in general, we want to provide enough force to um, help that person, you know, ex expel the foreign body. Um, but you know, I want to say not overly forceful. You're generally not going to hurt a person um, providing you know, abdominal thrusts. I think there, you know, there's sort of read about, you know, people who have been hesitant to do it just because of the fear of liability, uh, you know, cracking a rib and then, you know, getting sued or something like that. But, you know, is that something that's sort of like, uh, you know, something that you'd usually dispel as sort of, you know, an exaggeration? Um, I, you know, I think, again, you know, learning the skills and how to do it, um, you know, becoming familiar with that. Um, and learning the situation in, in which to do it, and you're trying to, to save somebody, right? I mean, you know, this is a life-threatening condition. This person, um, without the ability to breathe, is going to die, and you have the ability to to intervene. Um, you know, could you, you know, 
potentially uh, break a rib, it's possible, but it's um, better than the alternative. Better than the alternative, absolutely. So. Um, and a, a big one that you mentioned earlier was uh, overdoses. Uh, you know, what, what should pe do people need to know about that? Um, huge problem in our society now, right? I mean, we hear about this, unfortunately, on the news, you know, all the time. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's tragic. I, I don't have the, the words for it. Um, and it can happen in, in any walks of life, right? I mean, it, this is not a disease a pathology of a certain group of people. It, it spans, you know, all walks of life. Um, again, it's something that um, you know, providing treatment for an overdose, you know, recognizing a potential overdose, activating the emergency response system. And if you have access to uh, naloxone, which is the reversal agent for a specific opioid, for an opioid overdose, uh, absolutely could be life-saving. Um, yeah. yeah. And is that becoming pretty commonly uh, stocked, uh, it, you know, pretty much a anywhere now? I mean, I know it's pretty much available anywhere, but are companies starting to kind of keep that on hand, you know, just in case? Yeah, it's becoming more common. Uh, certainly not as common, in my opinion, as bleeding control kits mm -hmm. um, or, you know, at the AEDs that we talked about earlier, but certainly becoming you know more common in general. Um, opioid overdoses are a huge cause of morbidity mortality through uh, throughout the U.S. Uh, but certainly, you know, cardiac arrest still, you know, leads the way in, in, um, you know, in, in deaths or is, is, is a much higher percentage of deaths. So becoming, you know, stocking naloxone is much more common, uh, but not as common as, as those, those other entities still. But again, certainly something that, that you know, we all can learn to do. Um, you know, naloxone was recently approved by the FDA to be over the counter. Um, and so you won't need a prescription for it anymore. Um, there shouldn't be a stigma to carrying it. I have some in my bag, um, you know, just in case. Um, come across somebody around the hospital, around a parking garage. I've seen that in the past when I didn't have a, a uh, naloxone kit. So something that I carry that hopefully I can, um, if it happens one day, be able to, to pull out and help somebody else. Um, and another one is uh, anaphylactic shock. I mean, obviously, you know, it could be allergy related or, or something else. You know, what, what do you need to kind of know about uh, dealing with that? Yeah, certainly recognizing anaphylaxis is a big thing. And so anaphylaxis is an extreme allergy to something, whether that be a bee sting or food or medication or whatever. You can be allergic to uh, a number of different things. Um, so, you know, understanding the signs of anaphylaxis, including potentially like a rash or swelling or difficulty breathing or feeling lightheaded or dizzy, which is a sign of hypotension. Um, the, uh, those that have had allergic reactions or anaphylaxis uh, before um, are more likely to be able to recognize uh, that syndrome and, and more likely to have the, uh, you know, an epinephrine auto injector, which is the treatment for that syndrome. But these days, um, epinephrine and having epinephrine at, at uh, schools or camps is certainly much more common too. And so, you know, taking a, a class, understanding how to recognize anaphylaxis, how you're recognizing how to, uh, or, or understanding how to administer the epinephrine auto injector, mm -hmm. uh, there's certainly things that, that people can do. Uh, and, and, you know, you mentioned it, just sort of being able to recognize the, the signs. I mean, I guess that's pretty much important training for all these emergencies 
is, you know, obviously some are more obvious than others, but, you know, just paying attention to signs, especially like, you know, if you're sitting, you know, in a room and then, you know, you see somebody, you know, out of the corner of your eye, somebody's choking, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you might not be paying attention, but I guess it's, you know, behooves you to kind of, you know, uh, not just ignore, you know, what you think might be somebody choking because it actually could be happening. No, absolutely. And giving you the, the skills to recognize and the confidence to intervene. Uh, again, I think that's what uh, classes are all about, giving that, that the, um, the confidence. Um, are there any other sort of common emergencies that you that you run into that you uh, would care to comment on? Like, uh, I know certainly for a lot of, you know, outdoor workers, you know, whether it's on construction sites or, or other uh, job sites, you know, falls uh, are a huge uh, problem and, you know, sort of dealing with, with uh, you know, in, broke, broken bones or other kinds of uh, injuries, you know, what are some of the, some other kind of things that you uh, kind of would uh, recommend, you know, I guess being prepared for? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, as you mentioned, you know, in any job in general, sprained, strained, soft tissue injuries, um, you know, sprained ankles, contusions, you know, minor bleeding, those are all, you know, things that happen uh, quite often. Mm -hmm. uh, and learning how to care for those, um, you know, is, is a good thing that we can you know, learn to, to help out other people. Um, really going to help uh, you know, long term, you, we're talking about businesses, uh, decrease um, the you know, need for people to potentially, uh, you know, get follow-up care or, um, you know, have longer lasting um, issues um, if, if those initial issues are, are treated appropriately um, early on. Um, so getting people back to work sooner because we knew how to, to care for that uh, injury. And, you know, typically when, um, you know, you're getting this kind of training, is it essentially like, anybody who's interested i mean you can't really have just one person who kind of has all the knowledge because it, you know if they're not around then you know what do you do but um how you know how do you sort of uh i guess decide like who you know who gets the training is it just sort of i guess it has to be on a volunteer basis right yeah no i think that's a great question i mean somebody who's interested in it who has that enthusiasm for it um and you know potentially becoming the trainer mm -hmm. um can then you know, get that uh, really in-depth knowledge, you know, potentially become the trainer and then spread out that, um, you know, that passion, that, that knowledge, that skill uh, to the other employees. Um, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's important to train multiple different people so you have an abundance of um, you know, skilled people available uh, that can help at multiple different times, different shifts, you know, different locations uh, and things like that. But uh, if you're having a, that point person who's, uh, enthusiastic, who, um, you know, who, 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 you know, motivates people to, to uh, learn these skills is, is uh, you know, a great thing, a really cool thing. And, um, hopefully spread the message. Because ideally you want everybody CPR trained at least, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, now, ultimately, we'd like everybody to get first aid training. I mean, yeah. our, you know, we certainly think that it should be a essential life skill. A CPR should be an essential life skill that is learned. Um, in schools, I think first aid too. Um, you know, there is a couple of uh, position statements out um, from the Red Cross, you know, stating such. Um, and again, you know, building confidence, skills, resiliency in the community and, and throughout life and business too. Yeah, important stuff. Well, Dr. Charlton, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. No, it's uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for you know getting the message out there.
um, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll we'll get the you know people trained and, and um, so we can all learn to help another person. Absolutely. Thanks. That wraps up episode 165 of EHS on Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope to join me next time. Thank you.